0: Good morning. Good morning to the live streamers. Uh, how about we just sit together for five or ten minutes, welcoming ourselves here, as well as welcoming the people that are still checking in, the people who are also still arriving, including perhaps even some people online. So we'll start again, or we'll resume uh, a little more formally in about ten minutes. So sit however you like, eyes open or closed. I'm just coming into presence here, allowing sounds, any other contents of awareness, just allowing them to be as you keep on being yourself for the next five or ten minutes.
1: Hello. Ooh, hi. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us here today. My name is Mariah, and I am the event manager. Any questions you have anytime throughout the day, feel free to flag me or any of our volunteers. We have about a dozen volunteers helping out today wearing volunteer name tags, and we want to thank them for being with us. This is being live-streamed for an at-home audience. So if you ask a question, please use the microphone so people at home and people in the room can hear. We have a program happening upstairs today that will be on a little different schedule, taking breaks a little different time. So if you are in the foyer, just know the sound does travel upstairs and they'll be asked also to be mindful that we'll be on a different break schedule the bookstore will be open all day. We have lots of Rick's books available um, just to your left when you walk in. They're all there on display, and we have one of our lovely volunteers in there to help you with any of your bookstore purchases today. It's otherwise a self-service bookstore. If you need CE credit. Now would be the time to go see the lovely Annie in the back of the room to sign in so that we can uh, give you the certificate at the end of the day showing that you are here. And I know about uh, 20 people signed up for CE credit. So if you still need to sign in, please do so. And at the end of the day, sign out and pick up your certificate. We're going to have an email sign-up list in the back of the room for today's slides. So if there's anything that you feel like you missed or you don't feel like taking notes the whole day, uh, Rick is willing to send out the slides and is not going to add you to a newsletter list or anything else, although he has all kinds of neat things on his website if you are interested. Um, But this would be just for today's slides. So if you want to put your name on that email list, know that you can get them sent to you there will be breaks throughout the program but at any time if you're feeling like you need a bio break or you want to go get some tea you're welcome to have any drinks in a covered container we also have some snacks for sale and at lunch feel free to have your lunch in this room if you like or seated outside, although it can be kind of sunny. There are also picnic tables in the meadow where the former hall used to be. Those are in the shade. So any of those places, you are welcome to have lunch. Uh, The Woodacre Deli is the closest place to go and buy something. We have maps that will get you there. So if you're new and you're wondering, where do I get lunch? Come and see us in the front office at one of the breaks. We will get you that information. Uh, At the end of the day today, in your email box, you will have a program evaluation for this program, and uh, we really value what you have to say. It's new for us to be sending out these program evaluations, but we're interested in what people think of our programs and of the new hall. So please take a moment uh, before Wednesday to fill that out. And I asked Rick if he'd like me to include anything about his bio. Both of our teachers today have very, very impressive bios. But what he said is, he I think you both do. You both do. Um, and I must say that, you know, with a weekly meditation class in San Quentin, that's something that you never want to be a part of, but it's a beautiful offering to make <laughs> and also part of our community. Um, But the most important thing Rick said is just that they're really good guys. And I can attest to that, having worked with them before at other programs. And I do think that is the most important thing. So thank them both for being here with us today. And you'll see for
0: yourself. See for yourself. (laughs) Great. Great. Thank you very much,
2: Mariah. Well, welcome. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Zogchen 101. The rest of the day will be done in the original Tibetan. April Fool. Uh, I'm Rick Mendius, and uh, it's been ten and a half years that Rick and I have been doing this, and it's been two years since uh, I've done a program with Rick. So I have... uh, I woke up this morning with a little bit of sort of anticipatory anxiety, and I've been wrestling with that, which is kind of fun to watch things arise and go away. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm incredibly... Uh, grateful to all of you and to Rick for being here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Yeah.
0: Uh, our hope is to really explore the underlying factors in the body that we can engage and strengthen with the mind, factors of happiness and well-being and love in general, particularly, though, for what the Buddha called steadiness of mind, which is really a foundation of equanimity as we walk evenly over uneven ground, or at least try to, and also steadiness of mind uh, is a foundation for truly penetrating and liberating insight. And yet it's not so easy to do. We kind of evolved to have an ADD-ish, skittery attention, continually scanning for threats and opportunities, and also we live in a culture that also tends to habituate us to an incoming stream of stimulation, so anything short of that. Feels like breathing through a straw. You can kind of do it, but it doesn't feel quite right. So it can really help to have uh, some training that also addresses natural differences in temperament. Some people are naturally, temperamentally, constitutionally more toward the kind of settled, cautious, stable turtle end of the temperamental spectrum, and while other people are more toward the jackrabbit end kind of spirited, bouncy, maybe edging into the ADHD end of the spectrum there, which I think is not I D. It's, I don't think of it as a disorder, but rather normal range of temperament that's highly adaptive when people live together. So in any case, there's neurological diversity, yeah. a fundamental form of diversity that's not socially constructed. So, and in terms of some of that diversity, sometimes it's hard for people to stably sustain attention to something as boring as the sensations of breathing. Breath after breath after breath. So we're going to explore things you can do yourself to strengthen your capacity, to plop your attention where you want to plop it and help it stay there so that through the process of experience-dependent neuroplasticity, that's a mouthful, which we'll be talking about, through an essentially an absorption practice, you absorb into yourself the wholesome that you rest attention upon and we'll explore today as well how to uh, strengthen resources inside and capacities inside to pull attention away from what's not so helpful. Rumination, anxious worry, that case you make in your mind, political obsessions these days, I'm aware of this myself, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so that we have more regulatory power or influence over, in a sense, our most fundamental property, our own attention which is, as we'll see, Rick will talk about this a little bit later, uh, what attention rests upon is really prioritized for internalization as a lasting change of neural structure or function, which is to say the pathway into who we become, who we are continually becoming. So logistically, a uh, little detail, because the screen's behind us, we're a little clueless from time to time as to where the slides are. I'm looking for the slides to be on the second one. Hopefully the power's on for this thingy. There we go. Up. Oh, that is the second slide. Okay? Good. And we'll work it back and forth, what you all show. It's all good. Okay, so this is what we hope to explore today. There will be no midterm, no final exam, except life, but anyway. Yeah. Um, there is, there is a
2: final exam at the end of your life, so... Yeah. <laughs> we, have,
0: we have, as usual, we're greed types, you know, we have an ambitious agenda. Uh, our style is just going to be zooming along, then we'll slow it down for questions, discussion, comments. We're going to drop in a lot of experiential practice. So in a fun, in a sense, fundamentally, what this workshop is about is a series of of sort of explorations that are experiential with some talk and, you know, uh, information wrapped around them. But the essence is um, very consistent with Buddha Dharma. The Buddha was interested in what was true, but he was primarily focused on what was useful, what had pragmatic benefit for releasing suffering and help people stabilize in a truly reliable, durable happiness. Uh, So that'll be our, our focus today. But we will keep moving. There's lots of backup information about all this uh, on the website of the institute Rick and I founded, the Wellspring Institute for Neuroscience and Contemplative Wisdom. And I also have other related information that's freely offered on my own website, rickhanson.net, including videos, slide sets, short things, long things. You know, it's kind of like Pandora's box at this point. Anyway, so we're gonna keep moving and we're gonna gradually progress toward uh, a steadier, quieter, uh, more integrated, and joyful resting state that the Buddha recommended as a fundamental basis for insight and uh, engaging life. So, and we'll see what we get to. Uh, like anything, it's an experiment. We're going to take an ambitious swing. Why not? And, um, you know, if someone is enlightened today in this process, that'll be awesome. It's not a guarantee of any kind, uh, or even an expectation. Uh, but we will tend to keep on moving in a pretty ambitious way.
2: If you attain enlightenment, you're, you're required to come in up and teach the next
0: course. Yeah, really. We need some help. Yeah, we <laughs> want to talk with you later. <laughs> OK? All right, good. So any logistical questions? Pretty clear. We'll take a break in the morning, lunch, break in the afternoon. Feel free to move around yourself. Just be conscious of other people. Feel free to adjust your chairs. Uh, move into the room. Use the space. Okay? All set? Great. Okay, so I'm going to do the next section, which is double-checking. There is something about this. Okay, foundations of mindfulness. So we want to lay a foundation here. And um, in our view, the basics of meditation are really pretty straightforward. There are many forms of meditation. Some of them involve um, a theistic component, uh, a sense of connection with something transcendental by one name or another or no name at all. Uh, For our purposes here, uh, and consistent with some of the scientific information we'll be presenting, we'll stay inside the natural frame, which is not a dogmatic assertion of the non-existence of the transcendental. It's just not a necessary inclusion of it. And if you want to include uh, a relatedness to something divine or some great mystery that's meaningful to you, that's perfectly fine to do. Mm -hmm. We'll tend to focus on more, you might say, secular forms of meditative practice. Not based on a position against anything, but just that'll be our focus here. Okay. Um, And then in the context of that, I'd like to do a guided practice with you for about 15 minutes or so. Uh, in which we engage some particular, here we go, mindfulness factors. And when we're all done, I'll explain kind of quickly some of what could plausibly have been happening in your own brain as you were doing those factors, those seven factors, and then Rick will take us into an even deeper discussion. One of the ways to relate to this material today is to move back and forth between what's called a third-person perspective and a first-person perspective. Mm -hmm. First-person perspective is the immediacy and kind of the awe of the fact of phenomenology, the fact that we're having experiences at all. You know, you see these bumper stickers that say if you're not something, disgusted, something, you're not paying attention? I understand that part of it. On the other hand, if we're not awestruck, we're not paying attention. Like, what? So we start with the first-person perspective, the immediacy of our own experiencing in a very basic sense, hearing, tasting, tasting, touching, smelling, emotions, memories, hopes, dreams, sorrows. We can also move out, though, to a third-person perspective in which drawing upon 2,500 years of scientific development since the Buddha originally taught, we can have actually a deeper and more granular understanding of what is happening in the body, in our biology, in our material processes, particularly in our nervous system, that is minimally, highly correlated with the flows of the mind, with the movements of our own experiencing. The changes in our stream of consciousness are correlated with underlying changes in a physical substrate, the human body itself. And understanding more and more clearly the correlations, the co-arisings, between those two streams of mentality and materiality, of experiencing, again, hearing, tasting, sensing, keeping it down to earth, and underlying neural processes, as we understand more and more from a third-person perspective, from the outside in, from a more objective, uh, impersonal way of looking at it, um, as we do that, we become more and more skillful in our capacities to have insight into the ongoing stream of consciousness, and in fact, as Rick will talk about a little bit, use the mind along the way to skillfully target and stimulate and strengthen underlying neural processes to leave lasting traces behind that are beneficial, thereby using the mind to change the brain to change the mind for the better. In real time... In the flow of life, for our own sake and, of course, that of other beings. That's kind of a basic, very cool idea. Okay, so let's practice. Let's do an experiment. Let's do an experiment. Feel really free to, as with everything today, ignore anything you want. Um, you know, adapt our suggestions to your own purposes. If something doesn't work for you, or you don't like it, or it's uncomfortable, or just seems dumb. Feel free to just leave it by the side of the road. And uh, above all else, I think an attitude of curiosity and investigation. Uh, One of the seven factors of awakening, by the way, investigation, Uh, that attitude will will serve us all well today. Okay, so let's begin. Um, For starters, how about establishing a kind of intention for steadiness of mind? There are many Possible wholesome intentions, one to nominate for you, is that you are collected and stable, and there's a stability, a continuity of present moment awareness. That's steadiness of mind. So establishing an intention for that. You can do intention top-down and bottom-up. Top-down, you might sort of decide for yourself or say it to yourself, Something like steady, focused, here. Also intentions can be established from the bottom up as a kind of embodied giving over to that which you wish or intend will carry you along as, let's say, the embodied feeling of collectedness, presence, here So I'll be quiet for some moments as you stabilize in this first factor the intention of steadiness of mind.
3: Okay. Then establishing a second factor
0: relaxing,
3: letting go of tension in the body, letting the mind relax. Laying down your burdens, letting go of worry, preoccupations. The Buddha used the word secluded secluding,
0: seclusion, secluding yourself, not being against upsetting concerns, simply disengaging from them, not following them or fueling them. Or also, as the Buddha said,
3: tranquilizing body and mind. And then a third factor,
0: and feel very free to go at your own pace, and I'll be using as few words as possible. A third factor to explore is feeling cared about or caring, not chasing it, more of a kind of opening into a felt recognition of the truth of beings in your life today or in your past who have wished you well. Needn't be a perfect relationship. Experiences of friendliness or support. Receiving gratitude. Even love. Again, not clinging or chasing to that experience. More of an opening to it as a way to help oneself as a profoundly social mammal to settle
3: more and more. might be an opening of the heart
0: a warming of the heart
3: all of which will help support steadiness of mind Then, a fourth factor of steadiness of mind.
0: Helping yourself feel as safe as you reasonably can here. So that unnecessary anxiety or vigilance can fall away. Unnecessary bracing, guarding, or tension can fall away as you register
3: that you're in a protected setting And that in this moment, at least, you're basically all right.
0: Whatever the past was or the future might hold, you're all right right now. And letting that
3: sink in. Exploring how good it feels. The relief and reassurance
0: of feeling safer and safer
3: as much as you reasonably can. And then, on to the fifth factor.
0: And what we're doing here with each of these factors, and then we'll do a, something of a concentration practice. Each of these factors, we're shifting the object of attention. And in the next factor, the sixth factor, opening to and encouraging some kind of positive emotion. Again, never denying or minimizing or resisting or pushing away pain or worry or sorrow or depressed mood or anxiety. Never pushing it away. And also seeing if you can naturally, authentically, open to something like gratitude or a feeling of gladness or a memory of something beautiful. Out of kindness to yourself and also out of unknowing, which I'll explain more about, that positive emotion, the Buddha even talked about bliss or joy, which we'll explore later, can also help steady the mind. It could be a subtle form of positive emotion, such as tranquility or ease or loving, warm-heartedness. I think of Tuolumne Meadows. I think of my children. I think of the Golden State Warriors. Feel free to think of things even more profound.
3: It's
0: <laughs> all be quiet again. Helping yourself kind of open to and Allow for yourself, <laughs> let yourself
3: have some positive emotion. And then as we move into the sixth
0: factor of mindfulness, as a way into it, see if you can get a sense of receiving positive emotion of some kind into yourself. Like the gladness is spreading inside. Or the love is sifting down into you. In other words, in the sixth factor, that you are absorbing into yourself whatever is beneficial and wholesome in your consciousness. You're not grabbing it and shoving it into yourself. It's more like you are allowing yourself to be very receptive and intimate with whatever's beneficial in your experience, like a sponge. Receiving the good, taking in the good into yourself,
3: here and now. In fact, you're
0: helping and allowing the wholesome to establish itself in you, to sift down into you, weaving its way into you. And then on the basis of these six factors of mindfulness, there are other factors, but these are the ones I'm focusing on here. On this basis, let's see if we can stay present with the breath for five minutes in a row. That's about 80 breaths in a row. If you want to choose a different object of attention, that's perfectly fine. For some people, the breath can be kind of alarming as an object of attention. Pick something else, like a sensation elsewhere in the body, or an image, or a feeling, such as compassion, or love, or gratitude, whatever you like. If you're following the breath, as I will be myself, you can apply attention to the beginning of an inhalation, sustaining attention along the length of the inhalation, remaining mindful in the little gap between inhalation and exhalation, and then apply attention again to the beginning of the exhalation, sustaining attention along its course And continuing breath after breath. You may like to focus on a particular part of your body, such as the sensations around the upper lip and nose, or in the diaphragm or the belly, or in the body more
3: generally. Whatever aspects of the breath that you focus on,
0: see if you can stay with it. Disengaging from distractions, coming right back to the breath if your mind wanders for the next five minutes.
3: It's fine to
0: stay meditative. I'll kind of move through these points lightly and quickly and then turn it over to Rick. Um, Plausibly, so this practice we just did is a kind of two for one. Uh, It's a way to explore experientially some plausible factors that support steadiness of mind. And it's a way to demonstrate some of the helpfulness of practice that takes the body into account. Uh, Lots of people are mindful of the body, but they don't really take their body into account in the ways in which actually we are body full of mind. That it is the body, that the mind arises dependent upon the body. And it is the body, particularly headquartered in the brain which is continuously constraining, conditioning, and constructing at least mainly, if not entirely, the ongoing stream of consciousness. So as six illustrations of that, when we set an intention top-down, we tend to be engaging the prefrontal cortex. If the brain is kind of like a committee, my brain often feels like a zoo, but anyway, the chair of the committee sort of lives (laughs) behind the forehead. It's the top-down regulation, executive function, and so forth. But it's also really important to track that some of the most powerful intentionality is established in the more ancient regions of the brain. Subcortical regions arose around 200 million years ago with mammals, and then deeper regions in the brain stem that are very important for establishing an orientation a priming, a, a valuing of certain things, uh, and a certain momentum. And that form of intentionality is really useful, a kind of giving over to the felt sense of what, it w- of what the realization of the intention would feel like, and then allowing that to carry one along. Second, in terms of relaxing the body, uh, as we more fully engage what's called the parasympathetic wing of the autonomic regulatory nervous system, uh, that naturally, in kind of a seesaw, calms down the sympathetic wing of the autonomic nervous system, which is associated with and kind of prone toward fight-or-flight reactions. And if we're in fight-or-flight, including vigilance, it's harder to have steadiness of mind. So calming, relaxing, cooling the body and mind Tranquilizing the mental and bodily formations, as the Dharma puts it, really supports steadiness of mind. Third factor, um, feeling cared about. Um, moving into feeling safer, feeling cared about is a really important signal. It's deeply important to us as social mammals who, uh, and primates who evolved, our ancestors evolved, during times in which exile was essentially a death sentence. We lived dependently on a social matrix, as dependently uh, as uh, we live uh, upon food and air and water. And in that context then, authentically, feeling authentically to whatever extent it's possible to feel included or seen or appreciated or liked or loved, any port in a storm, is a way into mobilizing you know, some factors in the body mind that help steady the mind. We'll talk a little bit more about that. It's natural that other things sometimes arise, like not feeling so cared about. It's a delicate art uh, when one is working with cultivation to find that sweet spot where we're not chasing or craving certain things, while also, on the other hand, being very skillful and resourceful about. Opening to and encouraging and evoking and mobilizing wholesome factors such as feeling cared about. Then moving into feeling safer, there's this recurring theme in the Dharma again and again and again seclusion. You know, feeling in a comfortable place. The Buddhism awakening, the Bodhi tree had his back, as it were, so that it forced uh, forces of delusion, literally or metaphorically, to come at him from the front. Um, as we feel increasingly safe, we can withdraw cognitive resources from the sentinels at the battlements of the mind, of the castle, and pull those resources in to deepen our collectedness and power of steadiness, through feeling increasingly safe. Uh, There's a place for, you know, just making sure that the roof isn't falling in in the next moment, or that the person (laughs) next to you isn't about to, you know, pick your pocket. There's a little teeny bit of vigilance is probably usually all it takes if you kind of think about it. And then most of the time, abide in this beautiful sense of, at least in this moment, I'm basically all right. Even if there's some pain, even if there's some worry, there's a going on breathing. The heart is still beating. No shark or saber-tooth tiger is chewing on my leg. I'm basically all right right now. Yeah. I can afford to let down, let go, as safe as I reasonably can be. That really supports steadiness of mind, which also and also downregulates the sympathetic stress response, fight-flight system. And then, in terms of positive emotion, it's really quite remarkable. First, that most beneficial experiences and experiences of beneficial resources inside have a reward value. They are enjoyable. That's because as our ancestors evolved, those experiences that were beneficial for their personal survival and the survival of the band, the tribe, um, with, whom they, with which they shared genes, those experiences or resources were useful. So they're tagged with a sense of reward, usually, not always, to motivate um, mammals and primates and hominids and humans and us today to seek and sustain experiences of those psychological resources. So, their enjoyability, interestingly, the pleasantness of the experience in terms of the feeling tone or Vedana, the pleasantness of the experience is a marker that this could be useful. Some pleasant experiences are not wholesome, some unpleasant experiences, like healthy remorse, are wholesome, but on the whole, the enjoyability is a factor. And there's a kind of dour, grim thread that runs through a lot of spiritual practice uh, that misses the benefit, which is present in the Buddhist teachings, of emotionally positive experiences as pragmatic factors of happiness and spiritual development. Such as, as Rick will talk about after lunch, uh, extreme forms of passionate bliss and joy. Uh, so uh, a little detail here that's quite remarkable... One way to, if we were to operationalize steadiness of mind so that we're sustaining attention to some object of attention. The object of attention could be a saying, a mantra, it could be the sensations of breathing, it could be a feeling of compassion or loving kindness, it could be a sense of gratitude, it could be happiness itself. We have an object of attention. Operationalizing steadiness of mind, neurologically, means that one particular content, in a sense, let's say the sensations of breathing, is stably represented in the neural substrates of what's called working memory. <clears throat> kind of like RAM, random access memory in the, in the brain. It's sort of like a buffer. Right? If what's in that buffer is continually changing, um, we don't have much steadiness of mind. Now, what could be stable is a sense of open awareness and presence through which stuff flows, that's still steadiness of mind. Okay. But lots of people try to have that kind of steadiness of mind, open awareness, without first building the muscle, as is done usually traditionally, of steadiness of mind, and then they get distracted pretty quickly by what's flowing through. But to be clear, if you're stably, wide open, present, just stably here as the stream of consciousness rolls on by, old man river, whatever, you know. um, That's still a steadiness of mind, okay? But I'll keep it kind of focused on something like the breath here. So, neural substrate, working memory, content stays there, that operationalizes, that defines steadiness of mind. How do we keep the content there? Well, there's a gate in working memory. When the gate is closed, we stay focused. Breath, breath, breath. When the gate opens, other stimuli flood in. Shopping list. What am I going to do when I get home tonight? Oh, breath, breath, breath. <laughs> then the gate closes again. All right. What controls the gate? The gate is operated mainly by a neurotransmitter system, dopamine. Dopamine tracks reward and expectation of reward. One, a sense of reward, and thus dopamine is steady, the gate stays closed. Oh. Let's stay focused on this, you know, uh, stimulus. Let's say the sensations of breathing. But when the sense of reward drops, the gate opens to allow new opportunities to come in. Also, when dopamine spikes as a signal for an even greater stimulus opportunity, right? So there we are, a monkey in a tree, eating a banana, steady stream of dopamine. I'm just focused on this banana and this tree. And then some cute other monkey swings into a branch nearby. What banana? What's your sign? No, no. Anyway, so, all right, so it's, a, it's an ingenious device. So here's the deal. Dopamine drops, gate opens, new stimuli come in. Dopamine spikes, greater opportunity, gate opens, new stimuli come in. What happens when we are experiencing sustained positive emotion, including subtle but sweet, delicious positive emotion like tranquility? Well, we're getting an ongoing stream of dopamine at the high end of its range. When that reward sense pervades the mind, and also if it's intense, dopamine's at the high end of the range, it's sealing, and you can't get a spike. So through positive emotion... We support the closing of the gate and the ongoing steadiness of attention to whatever object of attention we've chosen. Isn't that pretty cool? All right. Monkeys meditate too, sort of. Okay, so then finishing, and then I'm going to turn it over to Rick. Only with bananas. Only with bananas, I don't know. Okay, and then last, absorbing the benefits. This is something we'll talk a little bit later about. How do you help cultivation to occur? How do you help development to occur? including the development that helps us heal or become less addicted. How do we help that process of positive change to occur? Uh, It's a fundamentally simple process that has two necessary steps. First, we need to experience what it is we wish to grow inside, such as gratitude or grit or commitment to sobriety or uh, patience or happiness altogether. First, we have to get the song playing in the mind, we experience it, but then we must turn on the recorder. If we don't help that passing state become internalized as a lasting change of neural structure or function, in other words, if we don't encourage um, that movement from state to trait, we've had a momentarily enjoyable, pleasant, beneficial, wholesome, useful, what have you experience with, by definition, no learning, no change. No lasting value. And I think one of the dirty little secrets as a long-term therapist, mindfulness teacher, parent, coach, and so forth, is that the great majority for most people of beneficial, useful opportunities for growing resources inside of various kinds are wasted on the brain. They're not internalized. They are not sustained in awareness long enough, like 5, 10, 20 seconds in a row, or richly enough to really be captured for encoding and consolidation in the brain as a lasting, beneficial change. And we'll talk a little more about that further on. So there can be a a sweet, in the six factor here just to finish, a sweet sense of receptive intimacy with whatever seems valuable or beneficial to help ourselves grow into being to help help establish itself in us so we establish ourselves more and more in it as we grow into being, Um, being more grateful, being more compassionate, being more mindful, being more insightful and wise. And that's the sixth factor of mindfulness in which we internalize the experience of mindfulness itself. We come to recognize it more and more. We can come home to it more and more rapidly. And we start moving from, let's say, state mindfulness to trait mindfulness uh... and other related factors okay. All right. good stuff uh, maybe a comment or question or two and then i'll turn it over to rick great so if you don't mind waiting for the mic and if you keep your hand up they'll they'll get you the mic right oh, over, over there. there yeah we have we've divided and conquered the room so all right great I think uh, there's some way to get access to the recording of this, right? If people have registered for the workshop, including yes. the people on the live stream. So, yeah, that's good stuff. All right, please.
4: Falling asleep. I fell asleep maybe five times during mm-hmm. your lecture just now. Yeah. I've, that's been a lifelong, mm. lifelong.
0: Do you want me to respond to that, or you're sharing it? Yes, please. Oh, yeah.
4: So, therefore, I have a scattered idea of what you're saying, because I wake up for the important parts and then fall back to sleep again. At least you wake up
2: for the important parts. That's a good one. (laughs) I sleep through
4: those. Um, So I got down here a sustained... Steadiness of mind is really big in my mind right now. Yeah. Uh, Sustained positive emotion keeps dopamine at high level. Yeah, yeah. Now, the next question is, is how do I hmm, encourage the steadiness of mind? (laughs) Right. That's the best I can do
0: i 'll just I'll respond briefly uh um, so one way to encourage it is to stay here today right because we're going to focus on steadiness of mind in many ways. Second, even when a person is sort of drowsy and spacing out, good stuff is still sinking in, and it can help to have a kind of confidence about that yeah. that's true uh, It can also help to do little things that are common sense, other people talk about them, to encourage alertness, uh, standing up, moving around. Uh, Rick will talk later about increasing the stimulation of whatever it is we're trying to pay attention to. My voice is pretty mellow, you know, it tends to get soft. uh, And it can help, for example, to pick objects of attention, like the feeling of excitement can be an object of attention. Right? pulling up the emotional memory, the body memory of the time your kid won the race or, you know, the Golden State Warriors won the championship last year. Oh, they didn't. But anyway, (laughs) moving on to something else, you know, that or passion of some kind or that can be okay. That's an enlivening object of attention, That. Also, more generally, just to name it, we're going to focus on software today. We're going to focus on mental training of different kinds. But it's also super important to take the hardware into account. As we age or as we have other issues, it's natural sometimes to get sleepier. And it you know, is sometimes uh, a signal that we just do need more sleep. Or we might need to fiddle with our nutrition or something like that. I'm not giving medical advice. He's the physician. I'm the psychologist. But I do think it's useful just to name it. We won't talk about it particularly, but, you know, do what we can for physical health as well. So I'll just say that. And then last thing, both of us are really happy to talk with you or anyone here on the breaks. You can contact us later. I'll send you an email with the slides. You can email me back. Uh, medical questions, I kick this way. You know, otherwise we'll sort it out. Uh, and we're really happy to talk with you individually. Okay? Okay. How about one more person, and then we'll move on. Great. Madison. This is maybe an intermediate question. I've had lots of exposure to this concept of holding or sustaining the positive. And what I've observed over the last year is that I have almost like a mother's voice that says, now this is important, this is positive, now you damn well
1: sustain it, which immediately negates... Obviously, the holding on to the positive, and it's like a little teacher saying, Here's the flag, now you better sustain it. And I wondered if you
0: maybe would have a response to that. I get the positive, I recognize it, but that five to 20 second sustenance that you're talking about is very difficult with that other voice saying,
2: Yeah, I I would refer to that as (laughs) Metaduca. Just like there's metadata, that's Metaduka. Uh, I think I think a, a number of things. If you if you watch this happen, you will watch your brain have all kinds of responses to the stimuli as they arise, and a number of your habits will come back. Um, what I would do is just is is actually what you've already done with that, which is you note it. Ah, here's this voice again in my head. Thank you for your opinion. Move on. Move back to the breath. It is. There's. There's no true. There's no difference in. Uh, in its in its nature, between falling asleep, which is what you described. And having the voice in your head says, this is, something, this is something that you better pay attention to or I'm going to kick your butt down the road." They are, they are, both, method, they are both things where the brain, essentially because of another stimulus, just as Rick was describing with the gate, you, you're, you're, you've, you've, your attention's fallen a little bit, the gate opens, and a new stimulus comes in. Here's my mom talking about how you know, what a bad meditator I am. Or the sti- or, I I relax into the process in that second factor. Is you begin to relax the body, and what happens is exhaustion shows up, and you start falling asleep. Because you know, as, as Rick said early on, we live in a culture that so much hits dopamine in terms of what we are exposed to minute by minute by minute by minute by minute through the day. You know, if anybody has gone to uh, has looked at 1930s movies mm. and the the cuts in the movie. You, you see Lauren Bacall talking to Humphrey Bogart, and it's a three-minute cut just on her face while she talks to hum- Humphrey Bogart. If you look at that movie redone in 2016, mm. it's a cut, 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 bang, bang. Each one of those cuts is a dopamine hit, bang. And so we've, we've, we've gone to a, to a culture that just throws us into this thing. So you get exhaustion when you start to relax. We start paying attention to these things that break open the gate, that we don't, that we don't necessarily, you know, we look, and so the important thing is to, when it arises, when you hear the voice, step out of first-person experience, which again, what Rick was talking about. Step out of first person experience to third person experience, there it is again. And a very important thing that that I wanted to bring up just right here this practice, meditation practice, requires immense self forgiveness. Hmm. Immense self forgiveness. And one of the ways that I got to it in terms of being able to work with my own self-forgiveness about not being a good meditator was to realize that when I popped into the, oh, I'm falling asleep, or when I popped into my, this voice in my head telling me, or when I popped into distraction of, oh, I've got to talk about the slides in the next three minutes, which is what was happening to me, when I pop into that and then I'm aware that I'm not on my breath, I just woke up. I'm not on my breath. Oh, I have woken up. And at that moment, when you realize that you are asleep, or in, in or this voice is happening, or you're not on the breath at the moment, at that point you have a moment of awakening. Welcome to Nibbana. And every time that happens, it's something, again, in terms of taking in the positive quality of the experience. Every time that happens, you can say, ah, good. That was a good thing to have woken up and found that this other thing was taking me off what it was I was attempting to focus on. And it's a way, again, of keeping the positive flow of that experience going so that you, you, you maintain your tonic dopamine level at a high enough level that you can retain focus. Okay. A command
0: question. Should we take a break
2: before yeah. we do this? Like I've day got day a day. big download that is about to happen, and I don't know about your uh, functional, functional activity hardware, but my functional activity hardware needs some attention. Can I take a little break? Is that yes. Okay, that's what we're saying with our little mumbo jumbo. <laughs> okay. So, are you okay with
0: like a fifteen-minute break? Are there enough bathrooms here to do this in fifteen minutes? I think so. Jane says yes. I'm going with Jane. All right, 15 minutes. So, 17 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.